Hey, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about a new discovery about a weird streak of color in the Canadian skies, how a wind phone in Japan helped thousands cope with their grief after losing loved ones, and why we judge others more harshly than we judge ourselves. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Have you seen Steve? Steve is huge in Canada. I mean, Steve is huge, period. But Steve is also pretty mysterious. And I should also probably add that Steve is green, purple, and drop-dead gorgeous. A new research suggests that Steve is even more special than scientists thought. You probably guessed this by now, but Steve isn't a human. No, Steve is the nickname for an unexplained glow in the sky that appears south of the Northern Lights. Steve stands for Strong Thermal Emission Velocity Enhancement. Scientists understand the Northern Lights pretty well, but the more they learn about Steve, the more puzzling the phenomenon becomes. Steve's main feature is a huge purple arc that extends high into the sky, sometimes accompanied by bright green vertical stripes. Those stripes are why professional and amateur astronomers sometimes call that portion the picket fence. It looks sort of like the wavy curtains of light we associate with the Northern Lights, or aurora, so some researchers thought Steve's picket fence might be a type of aurora. But a new discovery makes it clear that Steve stands on its own. Researchers and citizen scientists recently noticed another feature in Steve. There are smaller streaks, feet, if you will, that stick out from the base of some lines in the green picket fence. That slights out for the theory that Steve might be an aurora, because physics just doesn't allow for the processes that form auroras to also form those green feet. So what's the deal with Steve? Well, researchers don't know for sure, but they have a few ideas. First of all, they know that Steve's purple streak is different from the phenomenon that causes an aurora. It's really a westward-flowing stream of plasma. Plasma atoms with a positive charge are able to flow smoothly without much interference from the atmosphere, so they probably form the long purple arc. The electrons in the plasma are a different story. Electrons are super light and a lot more likely to tangle with Earth's magnetic field. That might cause them to get swept up in tiny tornadoes that form on the fringes of the plasma stream, where they excite pockets of oxygen molecules to form those little green feet. But that's just one theory. Researchers still have a lot of work to do before they can say for sure what's up with Steve. There are a couple of approaches that scientists can use to solve the mystery. Like, they could make a computer simulation of that plasma flowing scenario to see if it's even possible. But what researchers really need is satellite data. With the right observations, maybe one day they can fully understand the beautiful, colorful mystery that is Steve. If you've ever lost someone, then you've probably felt that desire to have one last conversation, to say what might have been unsaid, or just to let them know how much they're missed. Well, in Japan, there's a phone that, in a way, has helped people do just that, and it's brought relief to thousands of families touched by disaster. It's called Kaze no Denwa, or Phone of the Wind. It's simply a disconnected rotary phone inside a glass-paneled phone booth on top of a hill in Otsuchi, Japan. 
The wind phone was originally built by Itaru Sasaki after his cousin died in 2010. But just a year later, Japan was shaken by a triple disaster, an earthquake, a tsunami, and a nuclear meltdown. Otsuchi was one of the hardest hit areas in the Great East Japan earthquake. The town was struck with 30-foot waves, and that led to the deaths of 1,400 people, which is a full 10% of the town's population. Since Sasaki's wind phone had helped him cope with his own grief, he opened it to the public. Word traveled fast, and mourning Japanese journeyed from all over the country to make their calls. Over the first three years post-earthquake, more than 10,000 people dialed their loved ones. Sasaki's booth provided comfort as the community sought to rebuild itself. Since then, more than 30,000 people have used the phone for one-way conversations with their dearly departed. And what they're doing is hardly superstition. Studies have found that talking to a deceased loved one is a sign of healthy coping after their death. The wind phone is still open to visitors, but considering pandemic travel restrictions, your best bet is to visit through your screen or speakers. The 2020 film Voices in the Wind by Nobuhiro Suwa is based on the wind phone, and the phone was also featured in a 2016 episode of This American Life, and we'll link to both of those in the show notes. But wind phone or no wind phone, don't let that stop you from talking to your departed loved ones wherever you are. Even if they don't hear you, it'll give you comfort. You know how we remastered some of Cody's classic Curiosity Daily clips while he was on paternity leave? Well, I have some old stories too, you know. You actually have a lot of old stories. It turns out there's only two hosts. So, like, maybe as many stories as me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, now that we're both back, it's time to share the love. Play a little throwback Ashley clip. So here's one of my classic clips about how we judge other people. Okay, Cody. So say you're in line at Dunkin' Donuts and there's someone in front of you who's having a really loud cell phone conversation and they get to the front and they've been on the phone so long that they haven't even made their order and it's in rush hour and everybody's annoyed. What would you think about that person? Like, what are some things about that person that you could say? I would think the person is rude and maybe a little, they think they're better than everybody else waiting in line or the cashier doesn't deserve their attention. Totally. Yeah, I would think the same thing. But of course, if I were on the phone in line, it would be for a really good reason, right? Like, what if my mom's in the hospital? What if I have three kids who are all sick? You know, it, like there are a million different reasons that I would be on the phone and maybe I'm not on the phone all the time. But in this one instance, I made an exception and I had to be on the phone when I was in line. That's the kind of thinking we always have, right? We give ourselves excuses, but whenever anyone else does something that breaks a rule, we just say it's because of the kind of person they are. So you judge other people more harshly than you'll judge yourself. Exactly. So Curiosity looked into this and we found out that psychologists call this effect the fundamental attribution error. In psychology, attribution theory describes our tendency to look for a cause to explain why other people do what they do, which makes sense. So that can be internal in terms of their personality and disposition, like we were saying, or external in terms of their situation and their circumstances. So the fundamental attribution error is the mistake you make when you attribute someone's behavior to internal causes, like who they are, without considering external causes, like their mother might be sick. So, for example, you might think a person's rude for ignoring your emails, but they're probably up against a deadline and they're already buried in emails and work that you have nothing to do with. I promise I'll reply to your emails soon. <laughs> 
And the thing is, you hardly ever do this to yourself because you know about your external circumstances right. and you can point to the reasons you're doing the things you're doing. You would also just never say that you were a bad person or a rude person. You're always a person who's stressed or a person who's got a lot of work to do. Right. Makes sense. So, well, how do you overcome that then? Well, you you have to just kind of build in some empathy, right? You have to stop and put yourself in someone else's shoes. If you were acting this way, what would a reason for acting this way be? Maybe that person has that same reason. And just give them the benefit of the doubt. Another way to develop empathy that we've found is by reading books. A study last year found that people who preferred reading novels were more likely to show positive social behavior and be able to empathize with others. And I think that's because when we read about other people, we can imagine ourselves in their position and we can imagine what it's like being that person. Right. And that helps in the real world. One quick note, you can find the study I mentioned about building empathy by reading novels in today's show notes. Just like all of the studies we reference all the time. <laughs> Amazing. Let's do a quick recap of what we learned today, starting with the fact that researchers and citizen scientists recently figured out that Steve is not an Aurora. Steve is in strong thermal emission velocity enhancement. Very catchy name. And that is an unexplained glow in the sky south of the northern lights that researchers really don't know why is there. They have a few ideas, but they're really going to need some satellite data to help them unravel the mystery. And I know what song they're going to sing when they solve the mystery, Ashley. What's that? We just figured out blue lights because we're very smart. What's, what are you singing? What is that? It's the song that Steve would sing on Blue's Clues. Oh, like Steve is the name of the thing. You know, so. it's funny you say that because. <laughs> why is it funny? That I because say that? because d don't you wonder why it's called Steve? Because it's not called Steve because it's strong thermal emission velocity enhancement. That was added later so that it made sense. But actually, citizen scientists or community scientists, as some people prefer to call them, first noticed it and called in some scientists and were like, what is this? And the scientists were like, we don't know. So one of the citizen scientists was inspired by the movie Over the Hedge, where the characters are afraid of a hedge that's very mysterious. And so they decide to call it Steve. So it's less scary. And so they're like, well, let's call this Steve because it's mysterious and scary. And, and the name stuck. And then later on, they made the backronym, as it's called, Strong Thermal Emission Velocity Enhancement. So it's funny that you mentioned Blue's Clues because Over the Hedge is also kids media. So Because they're very smart. <laughs> exactly. And we also learned that after the Great East Japan earthquake of 2011, tens of thousands of people dialed their deceased loved ones using a wind phone. And it might sound strange for all of these people to be calling deceased people, but studies have found that talking to a deceased loved one is actually a sign of healthy coping. So don't be afraid to try it for yourself. And we also learned that we judge others more harshly than we judge ourselves because of the fundamental attribution error. That's when you blame the way someone is acting on who they are, not the situation they're in. And you don't do this to yourself because you know the reasons why you do something. So give other people a break. Try a little empathy. This is evergreen content. I mean, back when we did this episode in 2018, we didn't know that we were going to be living in a world where some people refuse to wear masks during a global pandemic, you know, but it still applies 
It's easy to assume that someone who is being less safe than you want to be is doing it because they don't care about other people. But if you were in that situation, you would probably have other reasons for it. That's not to say that you shouldn't wear masks, but it is to say that we need to cut each other a little bit more slack. Right. I mean, if you see somebody not wearing a mask in a store or something, I'm going to guess there's a close to 0% chance you're going to think anything other than, oh, that person doesn't care about masks or something else about that person's personality. Not maybe they have a respiratory disease or there's some other good reason why it's not happening. Right. But yeah, I mean... Overall, we just need to understand people a little bit more and not try to shame and blame because, again, as we've said before on the podcast, that's not a great way to get people to change their behavior. Yeah, be nice. Novel idea. But here we are. Today's stories were written by Grant Curran and Anna Todd and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Script writing was by Cody Goff and Sonia Hodgen. Today's episode was produced and edited by Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow. If you don't, I'll judge you. Just kidding. But please join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.